Hello everyone, my name is Brian Tussaud, and welcome to the Fur Peasants Podcast. Today, we have special guest Kelly Hanner on the show. I want to dive into this right away because Kelly and I had a very in-depth and interesting conversation about traveling, how it changed her outlook on life, and how you can do it too. Kelly is also a health and fitness expert, blogger, gypsy, and all around just a wonderful person to talk to. Here we go. Hello, Kelly. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I feel like you have a lot to say to the world. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah, most certainly. So I am 30 years old. I am an entrepreneur. I started about eight years ago as a network marketer. I ended up making a very successful business for myself through the health and wellness uh, area of network marketing. And thus, from doing that, I've been able to experience a whole different side of freedom that I didn't even know existed. I basically can do whatever the hell I want. And thanks to that, thanks to having freedom over time, my money, my schedule, I've traveled a lot since my business has really gotten off the floor. Um, and basically right now, <clears throat> excuse me, my travels have brought me to California where I'll be settling down for the next year. As my boyfriend and I launch a new program, or I'm sorry, not a new program, um, as we launch a new product called the Trim Trap for the uh, cannabis growing industry. And on top of that, I also am a blogger and I've taken my network marketing business to such a crazy extreme that I've now become what is called like a social influencer, uh, which is just basically. You know, anything that I post on social media, uh, it ends up influencing people. I don't know how I ended up here where I am right now in my life. I guess it's just through divine circumstances and a little grunt and grind that I've been able to, you know, be who I am today and have this level of crazy influence over people. Well, from an audience perspective, mm -hmm. I find that true. From my own views, I find it true, and I see that other people see that as well. And mm. yeah, it's it's impossible to explain how to get how you got where you where you are now, <laughs> you know. But yeah. we'll get back to we'll touch a little bit on each subject you uh, previously mentioned. I wanted to know where uh, you grew up because you're in California now. Correct. Uh, up until about 28 years old, I grew up in Oregon, Ohio, um, and I would have to say that, you know, it is a great town for some people, but for me, I felt like I was choking living in Ohio. Uh, I tend to believe that I have more of a progressive mindset, and from my own personal experiences, I feel like my voice, my my progressive, outspoken manner was stifled living in Ohio. Uh, so I guess after 
uh, relationship of almost nine years came to an end while living in Ohio, I decided to finally get the hell out, basically. Uh, so that took me down to Florida, where I spent about six months. And then after my rental contract was up, I decided to get rid of most of my possessions and just start traveling. And then through all of that, I've traveled to Thailand, Mexico, India, Nepal, Ecuador, um, Bali, and then now here I am in California. Very interesting. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here. Mm-hmm. You know, going from Ohio, you know, to around the world <laughs> to California, yeah. and that's only for a year. So, yeah. How did you get into this field, and uh, also why did you get into this field? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you say this field, is that like the health and wellness, or just network what, marketing? Ev- everything mm-hmm. you're doing now. We can uh, <laughs> let's start with. Uh, with your blog. Okay. So, um, for, since I started network marketing, the main push within network marketing is to use social media as your way to, uh, market yourself and to brand yourself. So through, I mean, I've attended plenty of seminars from people like Shaleen Johnson, uh, Tony Robbins, and even John Maxwell. And through doing all of that, I've learned how to basically have a, a social media presence. And through building up a social media presence, I've learned how to, I guess, sell myself on social media. And so social media turned into, you know, it went from being something where I just posted up photos of what I was eating and random you know, complaints before I, I was a social media um, guru, if you will. I hate that word, but <laughs> it's the first word that came to my mind. But so I went from being somebody who just posted photos of their food and complaining and bitching and moaning on social media to somebody who used it as a platform to reach other people. Uh, I ended up turning my Facebook into basically a blog where I would blog about my life, my health, Uh, different holistic things that I was doing to better myself, uh, sharing positivity. And so I was doing that for about five years. And I was realizing that a lot of the content that I was sharing is kind of just getting lost in the Facebook ether. So I decided it's about time I should turn this into something where you know, my content has a higher chance of going viral. I can meet, reach more people. You know, I, I have a message I want to share, and it's not doing it any good if it can't reach more people, and it's just getting lost within Facebook. So that's why I decided to start up my blog, so that I have, you know, an indexed area that's easy to look through to find different topics that I'm speaking about. Right, and... uh you know, changing the world one blog at a time. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's the way to go is to use words as weapons, you know, use uh, use ed- education and use experience and spread that throughout the world. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast because 
I have the same view and I want guests on the podcast with similar Mm -hmm. views and that, you know, that's really awesome. Mm, Thank you. Well, you know, I just, I've realized that, you know, I, I do want to feel like I've done something to help make the world a better place. And in wanting to make the world a better place, being quiet and stifling yourself and not sharing yourself, um, humbly and honestly doesn't really achieve much of anything. So yeah, I I use my Facebook and my, my blog, my Instagram as a platform to really try to make a difference and to maybe inspire somebody to change their life for the better. Well, I guarantee you, you're already doing that and I guarantee it's going to be, it's going to keep going. So I wanted to know what did your Mm parents, what did your parents do for a living? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so my both of my parents are quite older than me. There's a huge generational gap. My mom was in her 30s when she had me, and my dad was 40-something. Uh, so my mom was a telephone operator for AT&T. And then after, you know, telephone operators became obsolete, she trained to become engineer within AT&T. And then my father, he was kind of an odds and ends guy. So he did a lot of painting and, uh, you know, like household things, uh, construction jobs and whatnot. But when I was growing up, he ended up getting hurt on the job. So he went from working all the time to not being able to work. So he was on disability throughout most of my life. And now, I mean, they both live at home, the retired life. <laughs> the good life. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. How long did it take for you uh, to get to where you are now? How long have you been working in the field? Mm-hmm. So when I started my network marketing company, I was 23 years old, and I just started it basically as a way to get a discount on fitness products. I didn't really look at it as something that could be um, a substantial income source or a career opportunity. Uh, But at the time, you know, I was 23 years old. I just wanted to get fit, um, which the network marketing company I started uh, is Beachbody. And Beachbody is all about health and wellness. So I I got fit using the products, and then I started to see other people who lived in the Toledo area who were with Beachbody having crazy success with their business. Uh, They were going on vacations, they were paying off debt and student loans. I mean, they were living a really awesome life at a very relatively young age for being 20-something years old. And at the time, you know, I was doing the fitness programs and everything, but then I was kind of flopping around in the career industry. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had gotten a two-year degree in nutrition. And uh, after that, I decided I wanted to go to school to be an environmental scientist. And environmental science wasn't really my thing. I was sitting in classes learning about, like, plate tectonics and all kinds of stuff. And all I really wanted to do was just get my hands dirty. I wanted to be out helping animals, you know, like saving the tigers and the whales and all of that stuff. So 
about two years into the network marketing business, you know, me not really doing anything, I decided to drop out of college so that I could pursue my business full time. And within about maybe two years of full time grinding it out as if it was a nine to five career, um, I ended up creating a six figure income uh, within about two, two and a half years. So then through my business, generating a six-figure income, that allowed me the kind of opportunity to have the freedom over my time and my life and my schedule so that I could travel and I could, you know, experience all of these amazing opportunities that I'm grateful for that I speak about in my blog. Very, very nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely can't complain about about that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So, what's it like to travel the world? Oh, well, that's a great question. I mean, it's it's eye-opening. Uh, I am somebody who, you know, my parents them being much older than I am. Uh, there's a huge disconnect between the two of us. You know, there's a huge generational divide and uh my parents they're, you know, um they're homophobic, they're racist, very closed-minded. And while, you know, growing up in Oregon, I don't feel like the entire population of Oregon, Ohio was similar to my parents, but I feel that there was a bit of closed-mindedness uh, very similar to what my parents had. And uh, so being able to travel kind of, shifted my mind. I mean, I was never, I would never define myself ever in the past as being somebody who's racist, but being somebody who was raised within the ideologies that my parents had, there were certain things that I had to get comfortable with while traveling. Um, so, you know, like experiencing different cultures, seeing how people lived, seeing that you know, just because of somebody living in a different country or having a different skin tone, I mean, at the root of all people, we're all the same. And so traveling for me was a great experience in just seeing how beautiful humanity really is. And not only that, but I feel that a lot of Americans tend to believe that America's the best and America is you know, we, we put America on this pedestal. And, you know, America is great for a lot of reasons, but when you travel out of the country and you see the way other people live, you see how happy people are with little. And, you know, like, people are bathing their children in tin cans, out, not tin cans, but, like, buckets outside of their house. So they don't even have proper bathtubs or showers when you see that they're doing that and they're doing it with a smile on their face and the kids are laughing and they look just so pleased to be alive it really changes your perspective and you know you learn about the way you know other countries how they do health insurance and how People, um, you know, the maternity leave for mothers is much better than what America has to offer. And so it just really, when you travel, it opens your mind to understanding that you don't, maybe we do have some things to work on in America. And maybe some of these 
ideologies that we're raised under, um, maybe they are false and maybe humanity isn't as shitty as we're led to believe it is. Yeah. That, that's it's quite, it's quite a mouthful. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. No, it's really good. It was awesome information. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with everything. Um, the, <laughs> the diversity, you know, in Oregon, mm-hmm. Ohio is, you know, not very diverse. Luckily, there's Toledo and Cleveland to get a pretty, in my opinion, pretty good diversity. But you move over to Chicago and there's some really, like, really (laughs) good diversity there, in my opinion. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's like different worlds and people think differently and they don't, Mm -hmm. they're not as uncomfortable. Uh, I was, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but. There is this guy, he's a, he's an African-American, and he traveled to the UK, and he went to a restaurant, ordered some food, and the waiter, you know, looked, he, he was with a friend, and the waiter looked at both of them as equal, like no one was in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, and when he went back to the States, he, uh, he, he got that feeling that, like, um, you know, you can't really tell, but you just get a feeling and like they don't look at you the same way. And I think the problem is, is the media. I think uh, in other mm-hmm. in other countries, the media doesn't consume them as much as uh, the United States. Yes. I, I think that's a, that's a huge problem. I don't watch TV. I never actually have. Uh, even when I did watch TV, it was when... Um, when they had, um, it wasn't TiVo, but it was something like that where you record the shows and you can fast forward, mm. fast forward through the commercials. So I didn't even watch the commercials. Yeah. So I never really got consumed by that. I don't like listening to the radio because I don't like commercials. I don't like listening to the same song playing over and over again. So I listen to my own uh, taste in music. And then now I, all I listen to is audiobooks and podcasts. And that's, on demand, I, f- I feel like that's where everything's going now, and there's no, there's barely any commercials, and if there is commercial commercials, usually you can fast forward through them, and w- it didn't used to be like that, and I feel like, I feel like that that's the problem. Most most people didn't do that. Most people sat down, watched TV commercials, watched whatever everyone else is watching, because everyone's talking about it, and that they just our minds are a sponge that soaks in all the information and it really matters what information you soak in. And then also, yeah. Uh, oh, you can go ahead. Oh no, go right ahead. <laughs> I was just uh, going over every, uh, everything we we're talking about. What, what did you, uh, what did you say after the, oh, you, you were talking about uh, the healthcare is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like in Canada, uh, if I remember right, they have a whole year of maternity leave. Where like in the United States, it's if you're full time, which is actually hard to to have anymore. It's hard to get a full time job now, and the you can get maternity leave for you know just a few months, really. 
like three three to six months, something like that. Yeah. And then you get to be able to afford that. Right. And I, I think maybe even like in other countries, you get the whole year plus you get like your actual wage or something like that. And it just mm-hmm. it like really helps you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it just makes sense the way other countries do it. You know, the, the woman will have a year off to really nurture and be with her child and help even the, the father figure will have a significant time off as well. Um, right. And, and here it's like we just send the women right back to the wolves. You know, you had your child, now get back. Get back to work, slave. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not enough time, I feel, to nurture your child. And not only that, but then having to figure out uh, daycare, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have somebody who can watch your child from home that, you know, you personally know, that's great. But for a lot of people, yeah, they have to try to figure out how to afford daycare. And by the time all things are said and done, you know, as much as you're paying for daycare, you're making per month. So is the trade off of, you know, working to pay off daycare, um, you know, is that even an option for people nowadays? Yeah, it's definitely not worth it. I'm very fortunate enough to uh, both of my uh, kids do not go to daycare. Uh, they're uh, they don't have a babysitter. Uh, it's it's tough, you know. It's tough for the parents, but really, it's after you do it for a little bit, it's you know, it's it's actually not that hard. Uh, but in uh, my son Asher, he's three years old, and he's going to school now. And he knows his ABCs. He knows how to count up to 50. He knows how to break down words I've never even shown him. He'll spell, <laughs> it, spell it, break it down, and say it. And yeah. they're just starting to learn their ABCs in school. Like, they're on the letter L. So, like, wow. if you take the time, and it's really important. So, that's why, like, for example, in Canada, they had that whole year. That's super important because the babies are just soaking in so much information they're looking at everything they're responding mm-hmm. to everything it's it's so important for our kids to get educated by their parents because yeah school is very important but i feel like parents have to fill in the gaps get them ready get them prepared for sure they're little sponges they take in everything around them and to have somebody else show them the ropes for a lot of these things, you know, like having a daycare um, provider teach them how to be potty trained or, you know, like things like that when really it it should be the parents who are, in my opinion, it ought to be the parents who are the ones who are guiding them through these little milestones. Um, I, I just can't imagine putting a child into daycare or whatnot and, having somebody else raise your child. Yeah, exactly. You're missing out on important things. And sometimes like sometimes you have no choice, and I understand right. that, but yeah. But most of the times you you want to be there. For sure. What's the the biggest life-changing experience you've had while traveling? Hmm. I would have to 
say the entire month or so that I was in India was very life-changing. India is a totally different beast. It is something else. I mean, how I don't remember off the top of my head how many people are living in India, but I would guess whatever the official, you know, um, figure is, you probably would have to add at least another million people to that figure that are going unaccounted for just because they live in little tents off the side of the road. And I can't imagine people are actually accounting for those people. Um, India is just, it's, it's eye-opening. It's very, you know, you see people that are so poor and, you know, you have people who are living, no joke, on the side of the road. Like, if you just swerved over six inches, you would hit a family and you would knock them all out. Um, seeing people live in such poverty was, you know, like, you see homeless people in the States, but honestly, as asinine as it sounds, I believe that our homeless have a far better opportunity than the homeless people or the people in poverty that are in India. Seeing the level of despair and, you know, people just being completely destitute really kind of kind of changed how I live my life. How did it change your life? Like, did you start doing anything different? So before I started traveling, uh, once my rent was up in Florida and I decided to sell most of my stuff, it was an attempt at minimalism, but it was also an attempt to just get rid of all my stuff so I wouldn't have to put so much, you know, put anything in storage. Um, But when, after experiencing India, minimalism has become a far more important factor in my life. Uh, because seeing the level of poverty in places like India, Nepal, Ecuador, it just doesn't make sense to me to live way beyond my means and to have a closet full of clothes that I never wear. Um, to, you know, like once we returned from Ecuador, my boyfriend and I purchased a 2002 uh, Volkswagen Jetta. And I could have very well purchased a brand new car that I had to lease or pay monthly car payments for. But after experiencing all of the travels that, you know, all all of the travels and all of the things that we had seen, it just didn't make sense to me to try to keep up with the Joneses, to have a new flashy car, um, just so, you know, it could be like a point of pride or an ego thing for me. So I bought uh, that 2002 Jetta outright for like $3,000. And it's not fancy. There's some wear and tear on it. But none of that means anything to me. Uh, Seeing people who would absolutely die to be able to drive around a 2002 Jetta, you know, that's the kind of stuff that really ingrained in me while traveling seeing the poverty and understanding how happy people are with so much less and how people can make living in a tent work for them, (laughs) you know, experiencing those kinds of things, seeing it firsthand 
for me, I can, I know that I just, I don't ever envision myself living a life where I have more things than I have experiences. And in, uh, you know, in, in Ohio. Yes. People tend to drive everywhere they go, no matter how far mm-hmm. away it is. And people don't really understand that. You, like in Chicago, you can take mm-hmm. a, you can take a bus, you can take a train, and that's the most used transportation. You can take an Uber, right. take a Uber or a Lyft or a taxi, and I, I feel like we are moving in the right direction. Uber and Lyft and any other uh, public transportation is uh, getting more recognized. Like usually, if you ask someone, "Hey, do you know what Uber is?" usually they'll know and now yeah. and now they're like they're really working to make a difference and i believe that they're going to try to be more progressive and go towards more economical for our environment like uh not using fossil fuels and i bet you they're going to start doing the driverless uber sometime oh. down the road and For it, sure. it's, it's going to be crazy. The world's going to change <laughs> big time. But yeah, and you know, I'm I'm seeing that a lot with people who travel. I'm seeing that, you know, not to take your life, like your just daily life, your boring life where you have nothing to do, you get up, go to work, go to bed. Like just that right there. Just don't take that for granted. Because mm-hmm. you have a house, you have a car, you have a job, you get to eat whatever you want to eat. You get to go to the vending machine. You get to mm-hmm. you get to use your phone or go on the computer or watch TV where other people don't get any of that at all. They get mm-hmm. they have to walk somewhere to get food. They have to walk miles and miles to go to school. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm getting that a lot from from people who are traveling the world and see the world with a open eye. For sure. Yeah. You know, when I um, when I moved down to Florida, I opted out of getting a car uh, because where I was living, I was within a mile of the beach, and I was right in the heart of the downtown area. So if I needed to go to the grocery store, I got an Uber. But for most of my day-to-day activities, I was just able to walk. And it was one of the most freeing experiences, not even being tied down to a car. So when we bought the Jetta just a few months ago, that was my first time owning a vehicle again within like a I don't know how I think it was like two years since I had a vehicle and drove it around and it was really not being tied down to a vehicle being able to walk everywhere it was a real practice and mindfulness as well because you know if you think about driving the same route you know you're driving to work every day And you take everything along that route for granted. You know, you're high speed driving along in a car. Things just zoom right past you. But when you are walking places, 
you're able, able, you're you're capable of taking more things in. You're able to, you know, take a closer look at things than what you might do if you were in a car. And for me, I want to. I know that I want to get to a place where eventually in the near future, I'm living somewhere again where I don't need a car and where I can just get around on foot or by bicycle. And if necessary, necessary, just hail Ubers whenever I need. I'm right with you there. I'd love to do that too. Yeah. Especially when I pay my car off. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for I, sure. I purposely, like, you know, I have my own car and a lot of people own their own car. And I purposely park at the far away in the parking lot at the end of the parking lot. And I've got a. People usually that travel with me to the store or whatever, they usually say something about it, like, hey, why don't you pull up closer? <laughs> There's a spot right there. But I usually, I actually do park. No matter, no matter like what I drove in my life, even when I drove my $500 blazer that caught on fire like three times, I still, <laughs> I still uh, parked in the, at the back of the parking lot because... You know, I can walk. I always, I always hear my dad in my head, like, your legs aren't broke, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, so, like, I can walk. So, you know, I, when I grew up, I biked and walked everywhere. I didn't get rides. I I had to, if I wanted to go do something, I had to find out for myself. I had to go walk, you know, to my friend's house or right. walk, walk to the mall if I wanted to go to the mall or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lot of people who follow you, uh, you know, see what you do, and you know they want to travel too. And I'm wondering, uh, what can we do, or what can you do, or what can they do actually to travel on a budget, like, mm-hmm. like a legit budget, like you know they don't have too much to spend. Right. So I I must mention as well. So I I. You know, I have talked about <clears throat> how I have a six-figure income through my network marketing business. But that being said, I traveled as budget-friendly as I possibly could. I wasn't staying in crazy hotel rooms, living the, the fantastic life, popping bottles of champagne by any means. Um, how I traveled so cheaply was I was... I found a way. I experimented with different websites online for buying flight fares at a cheaper price. So I kind of have that down to a T. And then as far as, you know, getting the most bang for your buck while you are traveling, what I would recommend to anybody who's looking to travel internationally is kind of do your due diligence at learning how much the cost of living is in other countries that you're looking at traveling to. And I encourage you to probably, you know, a lot of people are inclined to want to go to Europe or, you know, they want to go to Paris and London and those places are great, but you have to understand that if you want to travel to those places, they're going to be very comparable price-wise to paying for stuff in the states and that can add up very quickly if you're traveling you know paying for you know an airbnb food 
daily excursions, experiences, all of that can add up. So I would encourage anybody who's looking to travel internationally to look at traveling to places in South America, Mexico, uh, Asia. You'll find that the price of living there is, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous how much the price difference can be in some of these uh, lesser visited countries. Uh, I Where was it? I believe it was in Nepal. Um, one U.S. dollar was the equivalent of 106 Nepalese rupees. So the price of living in Nepal is super cheap. I mean, you're looking at paying for meals like $2 a meal. Um, so if you are looking to travel on a budget, go somewhere off the beaten path. You know, try to save Europe for when you're really balling and you're not balling just simply on a budget and um, be open to staying at hostels. Uh, hostels are a great way to save money as well. Uh, Airbnb is a fantastic option for travel. Uh, I stayed when I traveled to Thailand on my own. I spent, I think $12 for this awesome little bungalow in the middle of a rice paddy field. So $12, for this really cute little place and an awesome experience to talk about um, versus, you know, I could have spent maybe like 40 bucks and stayed at a hotel in Thailand, but that just, um, that doesn't pique my interest. Like staying at somewhere where, you know, if you stay at Airbnbs, you have this great opportunity as well to meet the people of the country that you're staying at. You know, a lot of times when I've used Airbnb, I've, you know, I've found ways to meet the owners of the Airbnbs and by meeting the owners, you know, you can learn a thing or two about the language of the, the country in which you're visiting. You can learn the most common phrases. You can uh, hear about places to go, places not to go. And hell, sometimes they'll even make food for you. You know, they'll make their own custom food and you can't really beat something like that. And if you are just, if you travel abroad and you put a smile on your face, you would be amazed at how many of the people who live within that country will do whatever they can to make you feel comfortable while visiting their country. So I kind of got a little off topic, so I hope that did answer your question about budget travel. Oh, no, it, def it definitely did. Uh, okay. What a you know, traveling to hostels and uh, traveling on a budget, tra looking at uh, their currency and how it equals out to ours. ours. And uh, but what about what if you, you want to travel with your family and you have a kid mm -hmm. or kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's something great to bring up. Um, while traveling, I have met other families who are traveling as well. And so, you know, people make it happen. I've seen people who have like five kids who are out traveling and who are traveling for months on end. So if there's a will, there's a way and you can totally figure it out. I know that within hostels, you can also, something I always do because I'm a bit of an introvert, even though I am a bit of an extrovert as well. Uh, but I don't do well in dorm rooms. And a lot of 
hostels, they have dorm situations. And that was something I learned the hard way when I first went to Thailand and I, I um, stayed at my first hostel ever. I ended up getting a dorm where I was sharing it with about 10 other women and they were bunk beds and there was places to put your book bag, but there wasn't a place to secure it. So there were no locks or anything. So you were just kind of like trusting the people around you. And that's great and all um, for people, you know, like if you want to travel in a hostel, a dorm is a really great way to travel for super cheap. But like I mentioned, I'm somebody who likes my space. I'm an introvert. So hostels also offer private rooms. So from here on out, now whenever I travel, I select a private room, which, I mean, private rooms, you might pay like $4 per night for a dorm and then maybe like $10 per night for uh, your own private room in a hostel. And families can definitely stay in hostels super cheap. And not only that, but, you know, if you do want a bit more privacy um, as a family, the Airbnbs in other countries are so cheap, it's not even funny. And a lot of times you can rent out an entire home through Airbnb. And with that entire home, I mean, you're getting a kitchen, you're getting a bathroom, you're getting, you know, maybe two beds and a sofa where you can all figure out a way to make it work. And then not only that, but given the kitchen, um, you can also prepare a lot of home-cooked meals as well. So as I mentioned, um, like traveling in Nepal, a meal might be two bucks, which isn't breaking the bank by any means. But if you wanted to further make your, make your dollar stretch even further, you could by all means, you know, cook your own food and go to a local uh, market and get fresh produce. And a lot of times you're going to find produce that is not genetically modified. So they have organic produce that you can get for an arm and a, or not an arm and a leg. You can get for super cheap. And so you can find a way to stretch your food budget that way as well. And not only that, but a lot of hostels too will allow you to use their kitchens. So I know that the last place we stayed at in Ecuador, we made a lot of our meals right in the hostel kitchen and it wasn't an issue. And we didn't have to worry about people stealing our food out from the, the fridge. So, you know, if, if you want to travel with children, you can totally find a way to make it work through private bedrooms, you know, in hostels or running out an entire place through Airbnb. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, Personally, I will have to uh, look into that. Mm -hmm. So I want to move over to your blog again and go over, a yeah. go over a specific post. And I believe you just recently uh, posted a video about it. And I want you to uh, walk us through it. And you can just give us like a little overview and that way we can uh, direct them to uh, your blog or uh, your, uh, your video. But the title is why I love putting coffee in my butt, <laughs> a coffee enema <laughs> love story and how to please, uh, <laughs> please enlighten us. Yeah. Uh, so I had learned about enemas when I was in Ohio, but I did them very infrequently and that got me zero results. 
but after coming back from Ecuador, my digestion was just absolutely insane. Um, normally, <laughs> this this could be very uh, this could be a little TMI for some people, but I'm just gonna roll with oh, it. Oh, it's um, what we want. <laughs> okay, so you know, like. I consider myself to be a very healthy person and my digestion is normally spot on. But after getting back from Ecuador, which I believe was May, we returned, um, you know, I had, we had been in India in January in February, we were in Nepal. We returned back to the States for a couple of months and then we went to Ecuador and we came back and throughout from January to the time we returned from Ecuador, my digestion had been just horrendous. Um, everything would go right through me. I mean, there were a couple of times where I was traveling and I got really sick in Nepal. My boyfriend and I were sick for about a day and a half. I got really sick in India. And so through all of that, you know, like we even drank um, water straight from a tap in Nepal, which is a no-no um, because, you know, you don't really know what's in the water for some of these third world countries. So I have a feeling that, you know, I picked something up um, because while in Ecuador, we did a test where they, we went to a lab and they tested a sample of my stool and that came back that I had a potentially life-threatening amoeba that can eat your liver and eat your brain. And then I discovered as well that I had a fungus buildup in me, a yeast buildup, and then a couple other parasites. So while in Ecuador, I took some medication that helped to, uh, you know, alleviate the amoeba or, or rid my body of the amoeba, and it kind of helped with the parasites, but upon returning back to the States, my digestion was really off still. So I entertained the idea of doing enemas because I know that doing a coffee enema, if you do it, if you do it, um, you know, if you give it a fair chance and you do it quite frequently, so let's say like maybe three times a week for a month, you can experience a lot of crazy things. Things, which also includes removing parasites from your body. So once we got back from Ecuador, I dedicated about two months to doing coffee enemas as frequently as I could. And through doing those, not only has my health improved, um, my skin and complexion have improved. I've extracted a lot of parasites from my body. Um, I... I have, through doing this, I've come to understand that parasites are something that plague a lot of people. And unfortunately, uh, the medical establishment in the Western society doesn't really entertain the thought that a lot of our mainstream health issues could be parasite related. So if you go to a doctor and you bring up the idea of parasites, they're pretty much going to look at you like you're crazy. But through my own experience of doing enemas, I have, <laughs> I have found that no, you know, people are not crazy for believing in parasites. They're actually quite real and they exist. And if you give a coffee enema uh, its due diligence, you will find that probably what is plaguing your health could very well be parasite related and you'll end up seeing the proof in the pudding by 
you know, once you do one of these coffee enemas and you're doing them religiously, eventually you're going to start seeing results. And when you go to sit on the toilet and expel the coffee enema out from your body, you're going to find parasites, you're going to find liver stones, you're going to find liver flukes. I mean, there's a whole bevy of different things that can come out of you through doing coffee enemas. <laughs> I hope I hope that kind of was on track with what you wanted me to say. Oh no, it it was it was on track. So, okay. you know, just just drinking coffee gets me, you know, run into the bathroom and you know, <laughs> yeah. it works pretty pretty well for me, but I can only imagine if, uh, yeah, put it in the <laughs> other end, how much, yeah. uh, you know, it's probably a, a hundred percent increase. And if you have something eating your brain and liver, I would not turn down anything. So <laughs> I would yeah, probably be right. trying all kinds of stuff and yeah, if, you know, I see benefits. I mean, why stop? You already started. So, <laughs> but I'm, right. I'm sure there's someone out there that, uh, didn't even think about this. I mean, I've never heard of it until you mentioned it. So, yeah, definitely uh, very interesting. So, I wanted to right. uh, wanted uh, some people to uh, to hear about that. I feel like it's something they need to hear about. Well, yeah, I mean, so many people are dealing with things like digestive issues, such as IBS or colitis. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a and, common person. Uh, yeah, it, it's becoming far more common. You know, a lot of gut issues and autoimmune issues related to gut health. But, dude, <laughs> once you have experienced extracting parasites out of your body by ways of, like, coffee enemas, it, it really makes you think, like, okay, is this really, you know, something that needs to be treated with, you know, farm pharmacological medicine or is this something that you know it, it's due to a parasite and it's being overlooked and all of these means to kind of band-aid our gut issues are are they just not really are they just covering things up and not really doing what needs to be done which might very well be getting the parasites and the candida and all of those different kinds of things that are plaguing a lot of people's health you know doing those kind of methods I feel are far more beneficial just because I myself have seen it and I'm a part of a Facebook group called Bottoms Up which also you know it, it's all about coffee enemas and you see people who have had fibromyalgia and multiple sclerosis, Lyme disease, all different kinds of things who are treating themselves with coffee enemas and they're extracting, you know, all kinds of different parasites and, and icky things and right. they're improving their health when mainstream Western medicine has really just kind of done them dirty and, and didn't really help them at all. Right, and I feel like... I you know I feel like it's not a um um I feel like the doctors do want to help but I right I, they don't have that knowledge not every you know right. definitely not every doctor and right. um I mean I highly doubt that's what you know if it, when you go into your family doctor you like say oh I don't feel good you got to get some x-rays whatever you see something in there 
I doubt the first thing they think is an enema, you know. So yeah. <laughs> when you're doing that, it's natural. You know, you're not mm-hmm. pumping chemicals in your body. But if you have to take antibiotics or I'm sure you have to take a, a whole nother level of antibiotics for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you not only are you killing off, killing off those parasites, you're also your whole body is taking in that toxin because that's really what you're taking in to kill the parasite so like totally you're gonna get side effects from that and and that's what Mm -hmm. causes stuff like addiction or causes uh stuff like sickness or uh just diseases just from from uh our medicine from our western medicine medicine yeah you know the the truth be told you know like doctors they only get what I think they take one nutrition course. Right. Yeah. They're and, not, they're not dietitians <laughs> or anything. Right. They're not dietitians. And then not only that, but so if they're taking one nutrition course and they're not being taught at all that, you know, ailments could be caused by parasites or that a treatment for um, toxin overload or anything like that could be, coffee enemas they're gonna look at you cross-eyed when you bring this kind of stuff up right and i'm not saying don't go to your family doctor because that's you you should right but you should also also educate yourself and then perhaps ask the doctor and like ask him to be honest if he actually is giving you the truth or is he giving you advice that he feels like he has to because it's his uh duty is by law or is he just you know, full of it, and, like, his way is the only way, his, her way. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely always recommend somebody speak to their physician, but also understand that if you're getting the runaround and you're you're not getting help and relief from what you're experiencing, that, you know, you've got to be proactive and you've got to be your own health advocate and, and do do due diligence to do your own research and, and investigate other methods that could help to treat you. Right. And that's, you know, that's what's so good about 2017 is yeah. you can do, you can apply that method to everything and you can find everything and just doing your own research is best reading, uh, uh, looking up, uh, research papers. Uh, you can email, uh, professors at universities. You can email doctors and you can yes. get a hold of them. Like I've gotten a hold of people I would never thought I could get a hold of. And you can you can learn a lot that way. Yeah, for sure. But definitely and learn it, from someone that knows what they're doing and try to like, you know, bounce it back between people and come up with your own conclusion. Right. Yeah, that's I, I like to try to mention that as often as I can to You know, like, take what I'm saying, because, I mean, the stuff that I put out on Facebook and in my blog, I'm basically my own guinea pig. You know, I'm I'm testing things out. I'm trying different things. And I'm doing it all because I I trust myself. But I understand that a lot of people are, are looking at the things that I'm saying, and they're either 
you know, like writing it off or they're like, oh, this girl really knows what she's talking about. But I encourage everybody to do their own research and just don't take what somebody says for face value. Right. Yeah, and everyone's different. You know, what may work for you might not work for someone else. It may work for a different person. And that's why we got to do our own research and ask everyone. For sure. Not just, you can't just go to your family doctor and that's it, you know? Right. Not anymore. Right. No, I totally agree. So you call yourself a gypsy, right? If I remember right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Can you uh, touch base on that? Yeah. So, I mean, after I left Florida, I traveled to Thailand for like 17 days. And then from there, I was spending time in Hawaii and then traveling back and forth between Florida and different countries. So for a very long time, I mean, still actually to this day, I don't have an actual home. Um, so for almost two years now, I haven't had a home base ever since I gave up my uh, rental property in Florida. So I've been traveling and, and staying at places, you know, abroad. And I've been fortunate enough um, since I began traveling, I met my boyfriend who is also fortunately enough. He has a bit of the same lifestyle as me. So then we were able to team up together and start traveling places. And thanks to him, um, you know, like he's known places in Florida, like he has family members in uh, Florida, California, Philadelphia. So we've been fortunate enough that we can, you know, stay in, home, uh, you know, like spare bedrooms of these people's homes. And so for about it, two years now, uh, I haven't had a home. It'll actually be two years in November. So I've just been traveling and going with the flow. And now that my boyfriend and I have this product that is about to launch at the end of November, we'll be settled down for a year. We'll have our own home base. Um, and so we'll be settling down for that year, uh, getting our product off the ground. And then from there on, I imagine we'll probably move somewhere uh, near a beach because I thrive uh, in beach environments. So, yeah, that's uh, that's basically why I call myself a gypsy. I'm I'm a nomad. I, I I don't have a home base, and it's been it's been hard to deal with at times, but it's also been a very beautiful experience because when when you are traveling and you find somebody who you know you can stay with or you're in the states and thanks to Max my boyfriend he has family all over the place who has spare bedrooms you know when you find those people who are willing enough to open up their home to you it's a really beautiful experience and gratitude to realize that you know like you won't ever go without there's always going to be somewhere um, somewhere and someone willing to house you and you don't have to experience homelessness even though I am homeless you're not necessarily ever homeless as long as you have really great people in your life all right so we're gonna start <laughs> getting to the to the end on end of this I think we're at about 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 an hour but it's a really good hour but thank you <laughs> Um, 
what is uh one tip, just one tip that you recommend to someone that wants to get into uh the field you're in. So uh probably like uh your your uh just your blogging and your traveling. So just stick into that. Mm-hmm. Uh so my one tip would be to find somebody who's doing what you want to do and emulate them. Uh, find your best way to become that person, but not like copying that person per se, but finding your best way to um, do what they're doing, but with your own voice. And so that would probably look like reaching out to that person. Like, as you said, you know, reaching out and emailing uh, professors and whatnot. I mean, you could get the same results by messaging somebody you really look up to who's living the kind of life or has the kind of career that you're looking to have yourself, reaching out to them and asking them what it is that they've done to be able to get to where they are. Um, so if you were to ask me then what I have done to be able to get to where I am, it's taken a whole lot of learning. So always being open to learning, understanding that knowledge and learning things doesn't just end at high school or college, that you have to be open to learning new things, squashing old paradigms, and constantly evolving. I totally agree. You can apply that that method to anything. That's what I do. You know, <laughs> find Find a mentor and you know, mm-hmm. once you feel like you're bugging them too much, find another, find another mentor yeah. and then switch back, right. switch back and forth. And yeah, that's what's so good about, uh, uh, being where we are now is we can contact everyone. We can learn so many things and it's, mm-hmm. you know, people are saying that, you know, like you always hear about millennials and, you know, stigmas and everything. But really, like we have so much information at the tip of our fingers that and we're not even that old. You know, we have so much life left. And I think it's it's going to be a big change because there's there's going to be a lot of people learning. There's going to be a big movement in technology and we're it's going to blow our minds and then our kids are going to be just like how we are and they're going to be learning like like crazy and we're going to be like oh these little kids they're not going to they're just too soaked up in <laughs> ai you know they got these robots they want to mess around with but really like you have to mess around with that to get to the new to the new age like every 10 years it seems like uh something crazy happens like 10 years ago, you know, our cell phones we have now are, would be mind blowing. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that is definitely a, a, a really good tip. Hmm, thank you. I mean, I wish we would have gotten on the topic of AI technology. Oh, because... I, I was going to, I was going to say, uh, I want to invite you back and you know, we can do this as much as you want. And that is something I'm really into, like really into. So maybe we should yeah. uh, definitely do that. Um, what, it, uh, what is one thing you've learned in life that made you change your outlook on life? I know you were talking about uh, when you're traveling, um, 
you know, you're seeing people in India, you know, and you, you come back here. I know that was a big thing. I was wondering if there's like maybe something even more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that you're never stuck. Uh, you can always change. So I'm somebody, I, I didn't really get to discuss this that much, but, you know, I've had eating disorders in my past, and, you know, I've I've been able to morph, and I've been able to grow from that. And, you know, that's a thing of the past for me now. And, and looking back on my life, I have a hard time even believing that that was at one point something that, all consumed me. Um, and I would have never imagined that I could be living the kind of life that I'm living right now, that I would have ever gotten out of Ohio, that I've ever would have quit throwing up after eating. And so I just want to encourage people and empower people to understand that you can always change. I mean, I am never the same person I was a year ago. Every year I'm becoming and evolving into somebody that I would have never really imagined I could grow into becoming. So people get stuck on this idea that, oh, this is just the way things are, and this is how I'm going to be, and I'll always be an alcoholic. It's so hard to quit. No, that's a lame excuse that you're using to hold yourself back from your greatness. At any point in time, you can decide this is not my life and I can change it. And I am full proof of that. I've changed multiple times and have completely continued to evolve when I sometimes wanted nothing more than to just die. So, you know, people, you know, this idea that things are static and things don't change. No, things like you said, you know, like we friggin' we we've made telephones, we've made cell phones. Like who would have imagined fifteen years ago that a cell phone would be what it is today? You know, every if technology can change as much, we can change as much because we are technology. We're the the innovators behind the technology. So to think that we can't change and evolve is just complete and utter bullshit. No, I agree. Yeah. Like, you know how people say, you know, People don't change and, you know, that's completely different and you have to want to change. But yes. not only that, how you said you're not the person you were a year ago, you literally, you literally are not like your cells, they die, mm-hmm. they, yes. they reborn, you got new cells replacing them. And that's almost, almost every cell in your body. All but like, I'm, you know, I'm not a medical professional professional i'm i just research a lot but basically from my understanding basically all your cells but your neurons are basically replaced and those mm-hmm. help those help you create memories habits and also memories that you can treat that as part of you as you know totally. as, as a physical part of you and you know memories can be very vivid especially if you uh think about them every day and once you uh, stop thinking about them every day, you start thinking about new memories. Those old memories, like those cells, get replaced. So now yes. you have these new habits. You are literally a you are literally a new person. Your whole body now, like even mm-hmm. your neurons, because they're thinking in a different way, acting and communicating in a different way. So yes, you can change 
into a completely different person. But it is not easy at all. Like it is the hardest mm-hmm. thing you'll ever do in your life. And you're going to have to want to do it. And and once you do do it, you 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 look at the world different. You want to help others because you feel so good about yourself. You want them to feel that way because why not? And then you want to start changing the world. And that's how that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast because I personally I want to see different views of people around the world of that are going through or going or went through that same situation and how they see the world, their outlook on the world and how they can apply what they've learned to help others and now and then the audience that are listening to this can learn that and apply it to their life and I think it's going to be a it's going to be awesome like we're going to have like all kinds of people on here and what we went over today was it was fun and educational mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot and I'm sure I'm sure people are going to love this Mm, well, thank you. Thank you uh, for giving me a platform like this, Brian. It's it's really cool to see that somebody from my hometown gets it. <laughs> that you know, like it's it's really refreshing to see that somebody wants to enrich other people's lives and wants to learn and evolve and give people a platform to make this world a better place. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's exactly what I what I want to do. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so you can find me at thekellyhanner.com and also you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash kelly.hanner and on Instagram at kelly underscore hanner. All right. Uh, you, you were mentioning a uh, product earlier and uh, yes. if you have any other plugs, you know, you can mm. uh, let everyone know. Yeah, certainly. Thank you. So the NorCal Trim Trap, you can find it on Instagram at NorCal Trim Trap. Uh, it's basically some, something, it's a tool for people in the cannabis growing industry. So if you are in that field and you need something to help your trimmers and yourself get the most bang for your bud, then feel free to contact Max or I at NorCal Trim Trap. Very awesome. Uh, you came up with that uh, that little slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah, I had to uh, laugh really quietly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I came up with that while I was high as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for uh, for taking time out of your day to uh, do this podcast and uh, I definitely would love to have you back on and there's so many things to talk about uh, yeah. so we'll, we'll definitely do that yeah it would be my honor all right well I am gonna let you go okay all right well thank you very much mm-hmm. thank you as well Brian all right have a good day you too bye-bye all right see ya thanks for tuning in to the Perpessence podcast I can't begin to explain how grateful I am for you listening to the podcast. Please take the time to subscribe, rate, and share the podcast. It is really important that we get the name out so we can keep bringing in amazing guests. 
keep up to date with us on Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Have a nice day. <laughs>